what the series has been this summer, and it's called the Summer of Proverbs. And I would like to park out for the morning at a passage that's familiar to pretty much all. You see it written on plaques, all kinds of things, and uh, it's very familiar. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I would like for us to just park there this morning. We're going to pitch a tent, so to speak, and we're just going to unwrap and dissect what these two verses mean. I, when I study, I like to literally just tear the passage apart word for word and just kind of unpack it. That is how I learn best. I call it the KISS method. It's keep it simple, sweetie. And so this morning we're going to use the KISS method in uh, preaching. We're going to keep it simple, sweetie, and we're going to just take this line upon line and bring the word to you. So why don't we pray? It is my hope and my goal that by the end of the message that this will have gotten down on the inside of you, kind of settled for a bit, and that um, the last verse in those two verses, it says, and he shall direct your paths. It is my prayer and goal that as this word just kind of settles, that we're going to see some paths redirected. Because I am convinced that uh, we have uh, learned to walk paths that aren't the ones that maybe he's designated for us. And so this morning, we're going to let him redirect some things. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you and we lay your word before you and we say, Father, as much as it's been studied out this week, Lord, I thank you that you speak, that my mouth is filled with your words and that the ears that are going to hear and the hearts that are going to receive, that, Lord, what needs to be heard and what needs to be received, you put your seal on it and you put your voice to it. And speak to them what needs to be spoken. Let me merely be the vehicle by which you speak. Lord, I thank you for your word because it says it will not return void. So, Father, as it goes out this morning, I thank you that it will not return void. And it will accomplish in the lives of the people hearing this. It will accomplish what you have sent it forth to do. In your son's name, amen. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. What I'd like to do to start us out is I'm going to read this scripture in a couple of different translations so that you hear it a little bit and you really just get the gist. Because when you read something in a couple of different versions, you hear something that maybe clicks in just a different way and it just, you get it. So I want to start out with the New King James, and this is the one that we're mostly familiar with. And it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. <coughs> in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Thank you, Lord, that this throat is not an issue this morning, that your word will go forth and I will not be hindered by this in your name. The New Living says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend 
on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. The Living Bible. Trust the Lord completely. Don't ever trust yourself. In everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. The message. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Do we have any people like that in here? Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. So what I want to do this morning is just break this passage down. And we're going to start, we're just going to go phrase by phrase. And the first one, the first word the passage starts with is trust. Trust. Have you ever had your trust broken? Maybe a friend, a family member, a co-worker, a spouse. I don't know if any of you can remember all the way back to grade school when you had your very first broken heart or your bestest friend in middle school that broke your trust and said something to somebody else that they shouldn't have. The trust was broken. Often when trust is broken, the pathway back to restored trust is painful and long. Anybody ever had to be on that path before? I recently talked with somebody, this was probably a good month ago, and um, they're walking through some situations that the trust in a relationship had been severely broken. And I looked at the person and I said, tell me, what does this look like, you know, moving forward? And they said, Michelle, I've been down this road before, um, this was a second occurrence with a particular situation. And they said, I've got the tools and I know what to do, but it's going to be a long road. The pathway back to trust being broken is often long and painful. You see, when Jesus, when God asks you to trust him in this passage, He's not asking you to do something that he's got a past record that's tarnished. He's never broken trust in all of the years of his existence, because he's always been. There's never been broken trust on his end. So he's not asking something of you and asking you to just believe that he might not break your trust. He's asking you to trust him because he's got a track record that's proven that he will not break your trust. Trust. Webster's defines it as assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. The reliance on the character ability or truth of someone or something. 
His character is proven. His ability, he's all-powerful. He can take care of whatever needs to be taken care of. The Hebrew translates trust as this, to place your hope in or to make someone a refuge. Psalms 57, verse 1, the psalmist David says, says it like this, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings I make my refuge until these calamities have passed. David faced many calamities, and he found himself many a times in his life hiding and taking refuge and trusting in his God. Psalms 91, verse 2 and 4 says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. When I was um, reading that passage this week, you know, oftentimes when we read something, uh, we get a mental picture. And I went back to uh, when the kids were young, little, and uh, we do what's called Hoffman Family Movie Night. And so even to this day, um, I want to say it might have just been a couple weeks ago, Maverick had said, can we have a family movie night? And of course we do a family movie night. But this day and age, finding a movie that we all kind of want to watch together seems to be the issue. But I will watch whatever needs to be watched because I won't give up Hoffman Family Movie Night. But I remember when they were little and we would do movie night. We would all be snuggled in on the couch. We all could fit comfortably then. And dad would be there and the kids would be tucked right underneath his arms. Nestled right there. That's the picture I get when I read this passage. That the Lord has us nestled right here if we choose to be there. He's got us snuggled right in. You see, Madison and Maverick have no trust issues with their dad. They know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he will always and forever protect them. As long as he's living. How does that book go? As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. Yeah. They don't have to ever worry about that. You don't ever have to worry about being watched out over. Because Psalms 91 says we can hide under the shadow of his wings. We don't even have to be right under it. You can just be under the shadow of it, and he's got you covered and protected. You can trust him. I love that. Trust. The passage goes on to say, trust him with all. Can you say all? All. Have you ever heard the expression all or nothing? All or nothing. You're either all in or you're not. I think it was a su couple Sundays ago. Walt, used, Walt asked you guys, are you the type that jump in the pool or do you got to inch your way into the pool? 
I'm an incher. Are you a jumper? Right, do we have any jumpers? Yeah. I'm not a jumper. I'm an incher. So this really does speak to me. Because when you're an incher, the all means all, and it doesn't mean inch. It's all. You're either trusting him with all your heart, or you're not trusting him. All or nothing. I love watching the Olympics when they come around. And I'm telling you, 2016 in Rio, there was nothing like watching Michael Phelps. Did anybody else watch it? There was nothing like watching Michael Phelps in the water in 2016. You knew that every time he walked into that pool arena, he was all in. Every time he got in that water, he was all in. I can't imagine that when he would show up to practice that he inched his way in. He was all in. All means the whole amount. No crumbs left, nothing left to the side, the whole amount. If you were invited to somebody's house for dinner and you were asked to bring a dessert, would you bring the whole pie or half-eaten pie? You might have wanted to eat the pie before you got to the dinner, but do you take the whole pie or the half pie? You take the whole pie because you are presenting all, all. He asks us to trust him with all our heart. The whole amount, nothing left. I think this morning, the Lord is going to ask you, are you willing to place all of your heart and all of your trust in my hands? Because see, I'm convinced that just as our body has a thing called the central nervous system and it controls everything about who we are and what our body does, our heart in the spirit is our central nervous system because out of it flows everything. That's why the word says to guard it because out of it flows your life. Your decisions are made from this place. In fact, the Webster's defines the heart as your innermost character feelings, or inclinations. But I love the way the Hebrew translates it. It says it's the intellect, it's awareness, it's the mind, it's your inner person, your inner feelings, your deepest thoughts, inner self and inner yearnings. It's the place that nobody else can go except you 
and the one that created you. Those yearnings on the inside of you that you might not have shared with anybody else. It's those deep desires that you wish your life could look different, that you wish some things could be readjusted. Those things, the heart, it's the central nervous system of who you are. And that's what the Lord is asking you to trust him with today. Many of you, your heart's been compromised. Just the same way in our bodies, if your central nervous system is compromised, your body will not function properly. It will do all kinds of things askew. When your heart is compromised, when it, is, when it has not placed all of its trust in the one who created it, then the things that flow from it, your life decisions, work decisions, life are compromised. Because the heart, all issues of your life flow from it. So when it is not being placed at the master's feet and saying, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my heart. We're making decisions and living life in a compromised manner. He doesn't want us living like that. Have you ever made a decision? And what's the, how does the phrase go? Hindsight is always 20-20. Hindsight is always 20-20. Hindsight's 2020 because the heart's been compromised. Jesus wants to take you to a place that you're seeing things through his filter and making decisions that look different because the heart is not compromised. Lean not on your own understanding. Verse 6 lean. If I'm leaning, if I'm leaning, am I standing up straight? Mm -mm. You, you know, in school, when you, you'd walk around campus, and it's mostly in junior high, you'd see the, the kids, you know, some of them are, you know, leaning, you know, or they, they lean on each other. I, when we're, when the kids were younger, and we were at Disneyland, oh, dear Lord, you know, it'd be hotter than you know what, and you know they want to lean on you. And it's like, no, not going to lean today. You know, you're in the grocery store, and they want to lean on you. In fact, we were, Mav and I were at the store the other day, and uh, I've got the cart, and he's holding on to the cart, and I'm like, dude, let go of the cart. He's all, well, when I was little, you wanted me always holding the cart. I'm like, well, you're not little. Let go, you're slowing me down. <laughs> let go of the cart. You know, they want to lean. Lean means it's an incline and it's to deviate or bend from a vertical position. It's to deviate and bend. Bend. I want you to hear that this morning. Bend from a vertical position. 
When I am leaning on my own understanding, I am viewing things from a bent perspective. I want you to get that. When I'm leaning on what I know, my dad was the best at the pros and cons list, and there is some validity to the pros and cons. There are. I've done them many a times. But sometimes the pros and cons don't always add up to what God's asking you to do. Would you agree? Have you ever done things, and you know in the natural it made no sense, but you know God said to do it. God sees things from a perspective that is vertical, that is all-seeing, that is all-knowing. I don't know me that good. You don't know you that good. The one who created you and knows you backwards and forwards, inside and out, is saying, will you stand up straight? Stand up straight. Don't lean. When you stand up straight, you're going to see things through a filter that's called my perspective. When you stand up straight, you're going to be able to view things from an eternal perspective that looks so different than when you're leaning. Stand up straight. That is why he says, lean not. Lean not. Don't deviate from or bend. Stand up straight. You will see things differently. Have you ever had a uh, sore neck, a stiff neck, and it just to hold it up straight is so heavy and it hurts. And so you, you're, it's like your head's constantly down. I'm telling you, there was a season in my life that I had some nerve issues, bulging disc issues, and there was no relief, and I felt like my head was always down. Always down. You don't see things right. Your, your perspective's clouded. It's like you just you can't get your, your bearings. He's asking you today, stand up straight. Remember in, in grade school when you, I don't even know if they still do lines at school. They might not like that anymore. But you know when you had to get in a line? What'd you have to do? You had to stand up straight. You were in a line for school, for class. He's asking you to stand up straight. Don't lean. Don't be bent. You see things different. You see things different. Lean not on your own understanding. When I lean on my own understanding, I see things from a bent perspective. My understanding doesn't cut it. Now, my kids, or let me back up. When I was younger, I thought my mom knew everything because if you ever used to do something, and you thought you were being sneaky, and somehow or another she found out. Yeah, there were things, a handful of things that I did, and I often wondered, how did she find out? 
I'll just find out. I later found out, well, there was, she had a good friend that told her things. And then, <laughs> do you have any of those kind of friends? Those are good friends to have in your village, let me tell you. Good friends to have in your village. Um, but it's also called the Holy Spirit. And there have been times that even in my own understanding in, with my kids or in relationships, that I don't know everything. But when I'm standing straight up and I'm not leaning on what Michelle knows, there's a perspective of seeing things and situations that when God puts his filter on it, you see things in a way that you would have never seen it before. Can anybody agree with that? Can you agree with that? There's been times that it was like nothing was clicking, nothing was clicking, I couldn't get it, I couldn't get it, and then boom, all of a sudden, when I got out of the way and I stood up straight, it was like 2020 vision. I got it. I got it. Stand up straight. Lean not. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Ways. Simply means a course, a direction, or a manner of doing things. Tell me if you've ever heard any of these phrases. That's just how we do it. That's just how we do it. That's just how he is. Aw, oh, they don't know any better. There's some businesses that do things a certain way, and that's how they do it. There are certain things that you do in your household, maybe even cleaning. My mom had a certain way that she liked us to clean. We didn't always do it that way, and she always knew when we didn't do it that way. Households have a certain way of running, ways. Your family has a certain way of running. Your household does things in a certain way. Um, we like to say it like this. Hofflands don't do that. Hofflands don't do that because we have a certain way that we act. We have a certain way that we walk before the Lord. We have a way that we live our life. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Um, I'm reminded of, I'm taken back to cooking. You have a way that you cook. I thought of Stella this morning because Stella has a way to make plantains that I could not do it. Walter would not think that those plantains taste anything like the way Stella makes plantains. Just the same as my grandmother, she made the best spaghetti and meatballs. The best. I don't know if it was the spoon she used. I don't know if it was the pot that she used. I don't know if it was that water in Montebello. I don't know what it was. But she made the best spaghetti and meatballs. My mom makes a good sauce. 
It's been improvised from the way that grandma made it. I make my own sauce. It has also been improvised from the way grandma makes sauce. I feel like I should be in a jewelry box twirling. <laughs> we all have ways of doing things. Grandma had a way of making sauce that we all have acquired our own ways, but we acknowledge the fact that grandma taught us to make the sauce in all your ways. You might have improvised your ways, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Trust me, I'm grateful. Grandma had a way of making sauce, and I will acknowledge the fact, because every Christmas when the homemade sauce gets made, I sure am grateful. I will acknowledge the fact. So in all my ways, I will acknowledge. Acknowledge means to recognize the right of or the status of that person in your life. Acknowledging, giving them that place. So I asked you this morning, have you acknowledged him in all your ways? Have you acknowledged the fact that he has a place in your life? Have you acknowledged the fact that he is the authority in your life? Have you acknowledged the fact that you give him a place of status in your life? He should be the number one, number one person in your life. He is your person. I have a person on earth, but I've got a person in heaven that I acknowledge in all my ways. Because when I trust him with all my heart, I lean not on my own understanding, and I acknowledge him in all my ways, then there is a promise that's attached to the first three statements. And that is that he will direct my path, my paths. I don't know about you, but there are many a paths that are placed before us on a pretty regular basis. And he's saying, do you need some direction? Do you need ways in your life? Anybody know what ways is? Anybody need a GPS? Okay. The Waze app, I love the Waze app. It can get kind of annoying in the car because they tell you every little detail. But I need the way, the way speaking to me and giving me and downloading every detail because we have the ability to really mess things up. Have you ever really messed something up? Have you re I have. Have you ever really messed something up? It could be something minor, but you just messed it up. Have you ever messed up a recipe? 
it's messed up. Messed up. Not a big deal, but it's messed up. I need the way directing my path to direct. In the Hebrew, it means to be straight, to be upright, to be pleasing and good. God will make straight and right. He will straighten out. So not only will he direct, so the, tra- the Hebrew translation of that direct is not just a, a translation that says he's going to show you which way to go. It's also saying that he will make right or straighten out. So he might not be able to fix the recipe that you messed up, but the things that really matter that you've messed up, he can straighten out. He has an ability to straighten things that need to be straightened. Our paths, I love the way Webster's defines paths as a way of life, a conduct, or a thought. You each have a way of life. You each conduct yourselves in a manner that is either upright and pleasing to the Lord or not. And you have thoughts. So the Lord is saying, I want to direct your way of life, your conduct, and your thoughts. He wants to straighten out your way of life. Does your way of life need to be straightened out? It might not be a big thing. It could be something minor, but doesn't need to be straightened out. You had an issue with a coworker. Doesn't need to be straightened out because there's nothing worse than working with somebody that's just a pain. Am I right? If they're a pain, they're a pain. Now, we're not saying you're the pain. We're saying they're the pain. But there's nothing worse than working in a situation that it just is irritating. Is it life or death? No. No. Do you get a paycheck at the end of the week? Yes. But is it irritating? Yes. Does the Lord want you to live an irritated? No. So does he have a way of straightening it out and showing you what to do? I'm just going to suggest kindness. It seems to work. But he does have a way of straightening things. When you're bent and you're leaning, you aren't seeing things from an upright position. If you stand up straight and you don't lean, don't deviate or bend from a vertical position, you will end up seeing things differently. And when you acknowledge him, Lord, I thank you that I have a fabulous job. If you need to speak by faith, speak by faith. Lord, I thank you that I've got a job. You don't even need to say fabulous. Job. Lord, I thank you that I've got a job. It provides for my needs. And Lord, I thank you that whatever needs to be readjusted in me, Lord, I trust you with my heart. I don't lean and I don't bend into my own understanding. I stand straight up and I look to you. 
I trust you. And I acknowledge the fact, I acknowledge you in my ways. I acknowledge you in the work that I do here day in and day out. I acknowledge you. And I trust and I believe that you are going to direct this path that I am on called work. That you are going to straighten out what needs to be straightened out. You are going to adjust heart, people, whatever needs to be adjusted. You're going to adjust it. You're going to make it straight. He has the ability to do it. Amazingly, he does. I've seen it. He is asking you today, are there areas of your life that need to be straightened out? I know that there are. There's areas in my heart that need to be readjusted. You know, those things that nobody else knows about. The things that you go to bed thinking about because you're not all in, because your heart hasn't trusted fully. You know, Jesus has a way of directing our paths to bring adjustments to our life and to change the course of others. A number of months ago, I was cleaning out my, um, cleaning a drawer out in my room, and I came across this necklace a charm and it says missionettes i grew up in an assembly for god church and we had a program called missionettes it was the christian girl scouts and it's an award called Miriam award i haven't thought about this the story behind it for years years i found it and as i sat on my floor in my room i started recounting the story and this is how the story goes. I went to Christian school all my life. And so when I was in junior high, I went to a school called Brethren. I was 14 years old. I believe that's eighth grade. And uh, in Bible class, because it's Christian school, you have Bible class every year. And so in Bible class that year, we had to do a report on a social or moral topic. And I chose teenage suicide. And so, being that it is a Christian school, you did the report, but you had to back it up with scripture. Everything had to be backed up. And so, I do my report, I get a good grade, life goes on, 14, whatever you do at 14, I was doing it in a good way. And one of the things that we did was we always went to church. And my parents sang in the choir, and my mom was always involved. My mom was involved in missionettes and other things. And this one particular night, it was an off night for church. So there was nothing going on there except it was either choir practice or a meeting. And I don't remember which parent I was with. All I knew is I wanted to go with them because I loved going to church. And so it wasn't like there was going to be all these other kids there. I just wanted to go. And I would fuss in the foyer, do whatever. And so... Wherever my parent was, they were doing their thing, and I was in the foyer. And in the foyer was a payphone. Does anybody know what a payphone is? <laughs> payphone. Have you ever how many have used a payphone? Yeah. I've used a payphone. Okay. There was a payphone. 
and the payphone rang. There's nobody else around, so I answered the payphone. Hello? The voice on the other line, the other end of that phone, was not so chipper. In fact, I knew she was in some kind of distress. At 14, I knew she was in some kind of distress. And so I began to talk to her, and I asked her what was wrong. And she began to explain to me, she was, she was older, I came to find out she was in her 20s. Um, she, her life was such a mess that she was ready to take her life. And she knew somebody that went to that church, but she knew that the church offices were closed, but knew there was a payphone. And I started racking my brain, like 2018, thinking, did they have payphones listed in the phone book back then? I have no idea. <coughs> or how she had that number, I don't know. But she knew they had a payphone there. It's an off night for church. We're not having anything going on. But she decided to call the payphone. I answered the payphone. She was ready to commit suicide. And I had just completed a report in eighth grade on teen suicide. suicide. Somehow or another, God was able to direct these paths so that a 14-year-old girl could share with some 20-something girl, woman, that the Bible says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. That he has a way of making all things work together for your good. I don't know how he directs the path, but somehow or another on that night in Whittier at that payphone, he was able to direct paths in a way because as we said earlier, when, we don't, when we're not bent and we're standing upright, see, he sees things from an eternal perspective. So he knows that a path that needs to be directed this way, to call a payphone at a church where there's nothing going on that night, that there will be this young girl there who completed a report on suicide in her eighth grade Bible class and change the course of somebody's path. All these years later, I have met this young woman. Back then, she was a young woman. She's now, you know, in her 50s. Her and her husband are pastors, have five grown kids. When I found this that day, I've been wearing it pretty regularly since then to remind me of this. Jesus has a way of directing our paths when we trust him with all of our heart and we don't lean or bend into our own understanding but stand straight up. 
and we acknowledge him in all of our ways, that he has a rightful place in all that we do. And he will direct our path. He will direct your path. He will direct your path. And if these two paths need to intersect, because there is something of eternal value that needs to take place, he has a way of doing it. An amazing way of doing it. He wants to direct your paths. This morning he's saying, will you let me direct your paths? Will you let me direct your paths? And he's saying, trust me with the whole entirety of your heart, with every part, the whole pie. Don't take a piece out and give him the half-eaten pie or three-quarters of it. He's asking for your whole heart. He's asking you to stand in a vertical position and to see things from the way he sees them. He knows you and he loves you. He, know, he doesn't have a choice. He gave up that choice. He loves you. It don't matter what you do. He loves you. And he will always, always, always see the best in you. We don't always see the best in ourselves, and we don't always see the best in each other. But he will always see the best in you because, see, his eternal perspective says, there's the future and the hope that I have for you. Scott, he has a future and a hope for you. And he says, I love you no matter what. And he wants you to know that it don't matter what it's looked like, What it looks like moving forward is bright. And he says, don't lean on what you know. Don't lean on what you know. Stand right before him, and he will direct your paths. What does the word say? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. His word is a light to your path, Scott. His word is a light into your path. This morning, stand up straight. Stand up straight and trust him with all your heart. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that your word is pretty simple. You ask us to trust you with all our heart. You ask us to lean not on our own understanding, to stand straight up. You ask us to acknowledge you in all our ways. And you promise, because you are trustworthy and you don't break a promise, you promise that you will direct our paths. 
this morning, if you are here and you need your paths directed, you're facing something that you need direction on what to do. You might need to make a decision at work. You might need to make a decision in a relationship. You might need to readjust some finances. And you're tired of looking at things from a bent perspective because somehow or another, from that perspective, you still aren't making it all work right. If that's you this morning, I would ask you to submit a whole heart to him. And will you pray this along with me? Dear God, I give you my heart, all of my heart. I place my trust all, all, I'm all in, nothing left, I'm all in trusting you, I stand up straight, I'm not bent, I choose to see things from your perspective. And I will acknowledge your rightful place in my life. Thank you for directing my path. And Lord, I pray right now over the congregation, Lord, that you would be the whisper in their ear, that you will be the thought in their thinking that they have not thought before, that you will be the idea that they have not thought before, that you will be the one that comes alongside them and they think, where'd that come from? But it came from you. Lord, I thank you that you are the all-seeing God and you have the ability to straighten things out that are bent and you make right what needs to be made right. I thank you for it in your son's precious name. Amen.